fucking cool though. Yeah, the can's cool. Yeah. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tonight Kefu! Did he get it? That's the match winner! Another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast coming at you and we have some rugby to talk about this week. The first round of Super Rugby AU is in the books. Um, but a few big things really happening in rugby around the world. Super Rugby obviously kicked off. Super Rugby Aotearoa is coming at us this weekend. So we'll get into a bit of a New Zealand preview. Stan Sport obviously has all of Super Rugby and now they've got the Japanese Top League as well, boys. Um, I was lucky enough to tune into a little bit uh, this on the weekend, saw a bit of Michael Hooper coming off the bench for Toyota Verblitz. Have you guys um, checked any of that out? Only highlights so far. Um, I've only recently got into our, our Stan upgrade. Thank you, Vicky. Uh, and, I mean, it's appreciate that the format they've gone with for the Stan Sport is, like, exactly the same as KO. I assume all the people who uh, worked at KO have just come across the Stan Sport because it's just an very easy to use it's exactly the same they even got the little minis for yeah. people who don't you've got have a, highlights a full... you've got mini games you've got yeah exactly which is super convenient i actually i actually watched the whole tars reds and then rewatched it over the mini just for a bit of a reminder the next day just to reinforce how good the reds were so no but no i haven't used it for the japanese competition but and to be honest i've never really closely followed it so that's n- nice to have that because it is a good quality league and there's a heap of um, Antipodean expats in there now. A lot of the guys who've moved on from Super Rugby are into that Japanese competition. So cool to see them in a different environment and potentially, um, you know, star of the show in a lot of these teams. Guys like Bowden Barrett, Michael Hooper, Karevi, of course. You know, pretty exciting seeing them out playing together. Yeah, no, I tuned in for the the uh, Sun Goliath Dynabores game just for a few minutes there and yeah just really impressive to see some names that you're familiar with and I think this has become more of a trend in the last couple of years I know there's been people always going to Japan to to take the money and and play for some of these clubs but I think since the 2019 World Cup that's become even more prominent and you're seeing a lot of New Zealanders and a lot of Aussies there Um, you know Harry Hawkins popped up on my radar again playing in the second row for the Sun Goliath. Um, and just to see Samu Karevi carving it up again is, um, you know, it's almost a sight for sore eyes, given um, how much we miss him from Australian rugby, but I'm sure he'll be back at some stage. So, yeah, I think Top League's going to get even more popular, given its exposure on Stan, and, I, yeah, I encourage people to check it out. Well, that brings us to the first quiz I'm going to run for you guys this year. Uh and we're going to have a look at some of the Japanese top league teams because there's 16 teams in this and they've got some fairly interesting names. So we'll get you guys a little bit more familiar with some of these. So we are just going to go through. We'll go Toby, then Leo, and keep going. And you just have to tell me, is this a real Japanese top league team or not? Okay. So I'm, I'm taking out the ones we've just talked about, Toyota Verblitz, Santori, Sun Goliath. 
those are the big names. They've got some big players, obviously, Hooper, Kieran Reid, Bowden, Karevi, those guys. But actually, who wants to go first? Toby, Leah, who wants... Who's going to put your hand up for the first? All right. I'm going. Toby. Hit me. Kobe, Kobeleko, Pirates. No, it's not a team. It's the Steelers. Correct. It is the Kobe Steelers. Um, with Brody Retallick. Brody Retallick, Ben Smith is on their squad at the moment there. So they won it last year. names. Okay. Leo. The Manakata Sonics Blues. I'm uh, just going to flip my coin and say, yes, that's a real team. It is a real team. Um, with the <laughs> likes of Jason Emery and um, Raboni Warren Vosayaho, the old Sunwolves players in there representing there. So the Sonics Blues do exist. Toby, the NTT Communications White Cyclones. Uh, no, I thought it was the NTT Docomo Red something. I think that's not a real team. Correct. It is not a real team. It is the NTT Communications Shining Arcs. Um, oh. Currently have um, ex-British and Irish Lions and Scotland captain Greg Laidlaw has come in for them. Yeah, see, like, the biggest challenge with all this is there's the team kind of um, character name and then you've got the prominence of the companies sponsoring that team or owning that team. So it becomes a little bit confusing. I think, don't know if there's multiple sponsors, like there's multiple teams that have the same company supporting them. But um, yeah, it's a bit different. It's a different way of naming the teams for sure. Absolutely. It gets, it gets a bit strange. Some of these here. Um, what about this one? Uh, Leo, the, the um, Hino Motors fire shrimp. No, that doesn't sound real. No, you don't think that's real? I think you've twisted it and it's going to be like the (laughs) Inferno Prawns or something. The Fire (laughs) Shrimp doesn't sound right. Hino Motors don't actually have a team, so the Fire Shrimp do not exist. Um, Except in my thoughts about... They should, though. I think that's a great name, personally. Um, Toby, what about the NEC Green Rockets? Yeah, they're, they're a real team. Correct. You guys are not bad. Alex Good, um, one of one of the highlighted players out of Europe, is is playing for them this year. Um, all right, Leo. What about the Kubota Flying Katanas? Mm. Can I just say the Dinobores are a real team? <laughs> <laughs> the Dinobores are a real team. Mitsubishi, Aren't they the Kubota? Senga, Miha- no, Mitsubishi Dinobores. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, what was it? The Kubota Flying, Flying Katanas. Ah, oh, yeah, sure. They're a team. No, I'm sorry. It's the Kubota Spears. I thought Flying oh. Katanas were not bad. Ryan Crotty, Bernard Foley representing down there. Um, we'll do a couple more. A couple more. Uh... What about the Hinomotors Jubilo, Toby? I don't think so. No. Archie wouldn't have made that one up, surely. That's, uh, I, I must have missed that one if it does exist. Uh, he's too good. I've mixed two together. It's the Hinomotors Red Dolphins yeah. and the Yamaha Jubilo. 
Um, so the Red Dolphins have people like Chance Penny, Jack Debrusini hanging out there. The Jubilo have Goromaro, Quagga Smith, the old Lions Seven, Murray Douglas, ex Brumby. Um, lots of people there. All Good right. names. All right, Leo, Panasonic Wild Knights. Yeah, that's a real one. How do you know Well, that? that's one of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of them. So, Who's is associated with that, Leo? Do you have any... Sonic I've got two big names. Former player. Um, is that is that where... Uh, did Rodder go there or Rodder's in Europe? No, Rodder's in Europe. Rodder's in is France, Isaac Lucas there? I think that's another team. Okay. Oh, you've obviously got this down. Who is it? Um, Robbie Deans is the coach. Correct. Uh, and I think yeah. from memory, Berwick was there for quite a while and won titles with Robbie Deans, and he's just moved on to another team that I can't recall which one it was. But you had yeah. Digby Uart playing for them before. They now have they one of Welsh centre, Hadley Parks and Fukuoka, the Japanese yeah. winger. All right, Toby. I don't know what's situated though. There's all these teams that I just I can't place <laughs> them around the country. But anyway, I can give you a few players. They're from Otter. I don't know where that is. O T A. That's where they play. No, I don't know. Toby, what about the Toshiba Brave Lupus? Yep, that's a team. Oh, do you know anyone that plays for them? Actually, Maybe this might be Brave Wolves. Who's brother's team? The Lucas brothers, Matt Lucas and... I don't think so. Um, they were okay. who was playing um, Toyota Verblitz on the weekend. Michael Leach, Matt Todd, Wait. show up for is them. This, is, this, is this Genia and Quaid's team? No. Okay, damn it. <laughs> That's it. So there, there's obviously a lot, of, a lot of teams hanging out there. And as you can see, there's a lot of players that you know. Um, so well worth checking it it out i think over the next few weeks as it as it starts to pop up more and more um quaid and genia are at uh the kintetsu liners is their team oh that's right so how soon until i have to pick a japanese top league team toby oh, i'm sure toby will probably be messaging after this all right i'm gonna pick one for you <laughs> more there's more in the pipeline oh, oh, about his team so they have two huh? x reds that's good enough for me it's true but they're people that doved, that left the Reds. Do you really want to? Yeah. They... Uh, Karevi's yeah, still back. got a special place. So, speaking of the Reds, let's go back into round one of Super Rugby. And it started off up there at Suncorp Stadium. The Reds and the Waratahs. We sort of all picked the Reds. We picked them by a few. Turned into a bit more than a few. Them taking it home. 34 points, the victors. 41 points to seven overall with the Tars not only copying a bit of a beating here, but also copying uh, suspension in the form of a red card to Isaiah Parisi um, and a couple of injuries to Captain Jake Gordon as well as Walton in the centres there that both look like they'll at least be missing this next week's game versus the Brumbies. Yeah, that's a bad result in many ways for the Waratahs. I guess not not what they would have hoped Um in terms of like you know staying in the game, they they definitely got blown out quite early on. Uh, the Reds were on a roll. They they didn't do what I thought they'd do. They they did chuck it out the back and they were playing edge to edge and and just playing all around and through the the Waratahs. Um, so I think they got one or two forwards tries. And Alex Murphy scored a good one, rolling over on his back and 
controlling the ball over his shoulder, which is a good effort. But the Tars, you know, Jake Gordon now, injury, both centres out for mixed reasons. Um, The Parisi tackle, like, it wasn't even like a momentum kind of tipping, um, like tip-tipping the Reds player like just just with the motion of the contact it was just i'm going to hook this leg and tip him over and minimal effort to control um to control him as he went down and just as a guy who's finally you know he's come back into a team he's gotten you know he's he's won some sort of contest at, at the preseason to get this starting spot in the centers over a couple of different people and he and he pulls that out of his pocket in the second half like just, I, I, you know, where's the, where's the smarts in that? Like, that's just a really bad brain snap. And now he's going to get three weeks off for his efforts. That's half yeah. a season. <clears throat> I, I mean, I feel bad for him because I think he's had his time out of rugby. He's had a few problems off the field, which I think he's still dealing with. And now, having another opportunity at the Waratahs, I think he was just so keen to get stuck in against his old team and that's got the better of him. And it's not an excuse. I mean, these guys are professionals, but, um, you know, I do feel bad for him because I think he was, he's just super keen to get back in the game and focus on his rugby and, and now he's going to have three weeks on the sideline and it's it's a shame because that's, that's almost half the season then gone. Um, but he's back in time for the... The Reds game in in New South Wales. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So, um, he gets another you get opportunity another shot to, at to redeem himself. Yeah, exactly. And oh, the honest, funniest thing was Hunter Paisami laughing and like just getting straight up while he's just laughing, taps him on the back like, "Good try, mate." Like that. Yeah. That and just then it turns into a red card. Shows the type of guy Hunter Paisami is, I think, as well. Like he loves the rough stuff and he appreciates when kind of people throw it back at him. Um, and he's a cool head as well. I mean, a lot of people would have reacted very differently, um, you know, being dropped on your head like that. Mm. Which is a disappointment because probably the two things that were positives about the Waratahs game in this first half, I thought, was Parisi's, like, straight running was getting over the ball line, looked like he was running with purpose, and that in combination with um, Tizano coming starting at number seven for the Tars, big shoes to fill, and he seemed like he was up for it. He was everywhere. I think he made more tack- more than double the most more tackles than anyone else on the team. Um, so he looks like he's he's locked in that seven jersey, at least for the Tars. I think he was one of the bright spots for the Waratahs, and he was visibly in, in most plays, and you could see how quickly he was getting back to his feet after tackles and just super hyperactive. I mean, he's taking, taking a a page out of Michael Hooper's book um, from the last decade playing for the Waratahs. And I think he has pretty lofty ambitions to play for the Wallabies. He was up against Fraser McRider, who he's mates with, and um, wanted to match his level of play and sees him as, you know, a guy that's in the pecking order still ahead of him, but he wants to be better than Fraser. And you've got to give the guy credit if he's coming in and playing like that for his first starting game, I think. There's only good things to come from him. Um, and looks a quality player. Um, not the biggest man in the world, but he makes up for it with all that enthusiasm. I'll tell you who did look a bit bigger was Will Harris, partnering him in the back row. I think he's definitely put on a bit of weight. I remember him looking sort of tall and relatively lean 
when we saw him last year, he's he's definitely become more solid. So um, didn't seem to affect his his play like he was he was still pretty active. Didn't seem to slow him down. So yeah, good signs. Like that's that's one thing which we thought the Waratahs probably had some potential was was this back row combination, considering how how thin on the ground they are at most positions. So you know that's that's a positive. That's a lot of ball carrying, a lot of defense. Um, Dempsey Dempsey put in a good effort. Like he was chasing everything, even when the Reds were gone gone past him. But um, you know that that group there will will stand up more in weeks to come, and will be a key group shutting down uh, the opposition and and making some some gains in attack as well. I think. And they'll they'll have to focus on the positives, like the fact that they didn't concede a point in the twenty minutes where they were down to 14 men. I think that's a positive they can take out to it. But there's not a huge amount, amount more, and you do worry because they're having to travel down to um, take the Brumbies on in Canberra next weekend, what what they're going to show off. As opposed to what the Reds did, and they just showed a lot of maturity and a lot of ability to spring things from all over the field in all different ways, whether it's through forward play, whether it's through... Um, spreading the ball wide to their wingers. Dalgunu got two tries in this. O'Connor looks like he's um, well and truly comfortable sitting back and just unleashing the weapons inside and out of him at the moment. And kicked a, a, fl- a perfect game, didn't he? He didn't, he didn't yep. miss a kick all night. So that 41 points, it's a couple of penalties and a and five conversions or something in there. Like that's that's a really solid effort out of him. None of those kicks were, you know looked like missing they were all dead on and, and some of the tries were out wide too so yeah all around really strong performance by the by the team um everyone picking up where they left off last year and you know a couple of couple of good performances out of guys that we hadn't seen as much so um angus scott young was was you know playing well in the in the back row there held up a try or held, held up what could have been a try at one point and also where we could have seen Vunavalu off the bench and and scoring tries his uh his replacement uh, I believe it's Ilesa Drosese looked great in in his he obviously got one major carry but there was a couple of times uh, once he'd come on where he was chasing kicks and I'd, it was actually on the replay when the Reds I think James O'Connor kicked the only 50-22 of the match and he kicked it sort of center to, to far left down the field. And the, the right side winger just comes flying off the bottom of the screen, diagonally across, just, you know, he obviously didn't need to get there, went out. But so who's who's that guy? And that was the, the backup winger. So Reds are going to have some pace to burn um, at full strength and, at you know, you know late in the game, bring these subs on. And that's without Vunavalu even involved. Yeah, and no, I think to that point, what struck me is how many points I think they left out there, the Reds, and even though it was a record win, they just looked like they had such a capacity to score at any moment. And that might have been something that a year or two ago they were lacking. You know, they were they were struggling to put more than 20, 25 points on the board. Now I think with the attacking options they have, they're not going to struggle at all. And I think that allows them now to really challenge the Brumbies and you know they did that last year but I think even more so um, having seen the Brumbies performance they're going to as well have the capacity to score from any point on the field 
Um, and I think the Reds can match that. So I think it's really good to see two teams at, at the top of their games um, who are going to challenge each other in the end of the season. What do you boys think of uh, Uru, Sevu Uru, the previously just been a back row number eight, but got the start at second row today oh, on the weekend. Looks pretty good. Yeah, slotted right in, um, showed showed a bit of um, sort of pace and, and strength. And, off. you know, he was there offloading and looking for support players on his inside, you know, not just loose lobbing the ball, not looking uncoordinated or anything, like just another... Um, Lucan, I suppose, type mold guy, and and just looks to have good basics and put in another, put in a good shift for his for his first start. Like again, the 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 Reds just seem to be um, in this uh, impressive run of unearthing players who can who can step up. And last year when they lost all the second row talent, they had Angus Blythe step up, Lucan stepped up, played a lot better, and. This year we're still waiting for Lucan to come back, and he's another one like just just really impressive. Like he's obviously um, learnt the system. He knows who he's playing with. He he's knows to look when uh, knows where to look for support. Um, doesn't look out of place at all from a guy who we basically hadn't seen this year. Mm-hmm. And it's his you know he came in last year or end of last year whenever it was, um, and Brad Thorne kind of said to him, look mate. You put on 10 kilos, you, you'll be starting in this team kind of thing. Like he came in at 103 kilos. He's now up to about 110 or something. So, you know, if he is going to be playing lock in any capacity going forward, he needs that weight behind him. Um, but he's obviously athletically, he's got all the skills. He's got a great passing game and you could easily see him playing number six as well. It just depends on the kind of depth they have, have in the lock position, I guess, mm-hmm. and when Lucan can be back. But... You can see in so many positions in this team there's competition for spots and that just breeds, I think, a high level of play. And guys are always continually wanting to perform at their highest level because they're worried about losing their spots. So just builds such a good atmosphere within the team. And, um, yeah, again, like Brad Thorne's master plan seems to be paying off in spades at the moment and they can continue this. Um, yeah, it just shows you the pathway to success if you're investing in these young players. Definitely. And we've seen it over the years with the Brumbies and they showed once again, um, coming off like defending their championship over there in Perth. First Super Rugby game in a number of years down in Perth. They had a good crowd out there for this new Luke Force team. And it was sort of a bit close back and forth, but Brumbies eventually showed their class winning this one 27-11. Uh, against the international sort of influenced force that we got to see a little bit of what what they're all about this year. Yeah, I think they lacked cohesion, and I think that's something we were worried about. Um, But they do have much more depth, obviously. So I think given time, these high-quality players should be able to learn to play together and play to the best of their abilities, even though a lot of them are later on in their careers. I think they've still got a lot to offer. Um, and yeah, I'm encouraged by the, the way the force they they fought in this game. And um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of potential there. I just think they need more time. Yeah, they were unlucky, I think, to not get a try in the first half. There's definitely opportunities, mm. and and that would have kept them right in in and about at halftime. Um, only really carrying the points from Prior's boot until that late Cabelli try. 
um, which again deserved. Um, he had to fight pretty hard for that, but yeah, there's there's huge potential there. Like the centers were were you know reasonable. They had to they had to make a late change with Cole Godwin um, being unfit for the match, and so Kahui came in, and um, that was I suppose probably some somewhat disruptive. So we haven't seen um, the the Kuradrani Cole Godwin combination yet. But they they did their job. They they were you know solid in the backs, but they really just didn't break out. Mm. Um, and I think that's the sort of um, that that's what's lacking. Exactly what Toby's saying. Like that when you get that cohesion, a bit more understanding of what the players around you are doing, you go from being a bunch of individuals running fairly parallel lines to working off each other and and understanding where your your outside players are going to be and the lines they run and those those opportunities will present themselves so uh solid but maybe i think they will be disappointed they didn't get maybe another try uh and and keep it closer but at least they pegged the brumbies back and kept them from getting up a bonus point like that was yeah you know that's that's something to take away from that game uh when you know first hit out against a very good very seasoned team yeah and like we've seen so many times the Brumbies get on top of you. They do have the capacity to blow out games and it didn't happen here. It was 16 points. I think that's, like you say, respectable. Um, But I think the ambitions of this team and the players that are in it, like they're used to succeeding in in their individual careers. So I think they will have high standards. They won't be willing to to put up with a whole bunch of losses this year. Um, And I think there's guys like Ralston in the back line that, you saw the amount of skill he has. If he can still be, I guess, nurtured um, and some of the seasoned players around him can put him into space, um, I do think they do have a few key players there that can allow them to break out and score more points. I think the fact having... I really noticed having someone like Carney at the back just to diffuse any sort of high kicks was always a safe pair of hands and sort of made that just not an area really the Brumbies could challenge in because he was just so solid under the high ball really helped. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, that's just like that's security. So you don't need to change your defensive structure. You don't need to, you know, move guys around because you've got a liability there. It's not an obvious weakness that can be attacked. And I I don't think the Brumbies would have thought it was going to be a weakness, but they certainly tested him out. Um, But he he just looked really solid and un unfrazzled there at the back um so that's that's a good sign you got that senior guy at the back directing a bit of traffic communicating to his um backs in in the front line like that's that's going to be a really valuable thing if he stays healthy and fit through the season and just speaking of depth i think even at i mean scrum half i was kind of convinced that cabelli would um take prior's place he didn't look forward. that good coming He had a pretty bad game yeah. overall. He had made a lot of mistakes, and maybe that's, again, you know, part of the cohesion factor. He doesn't feel like he knows the players around him um, as well as he should at the moment. And he's moved a few teams over the years, so he must be good at, you know, getting settled more quickly. We saw him play well for the Jaguars last year and the Pumas, so I think he has potential to lock down that number nine spot, but then maybe you're losing some much-needed leadership from someone like Pryor. Yeah. Um, but even at number 10, John O'Lance was taken off relatively early for, for McIntyre. Who looked um, good. I was yeah, he looked decent. McIntyre brought. Which he's, he's obviously grown his game from being over in Europe, and again, that shouldn't be, I think, 
undervalued. And then you have also someone like Miotti in the background as well, yeah. pushing these two other guys. So depth is, is definitely something that they've built up as we talked about. And I think that's really going to pay dividends just after they have enough time together to, mm. to get settled. There were a few disappointing um, games from some of the force players. I was a bit um, disappointed in what Lozana brought, um, the Argentinian number six in this game, had quite a few drop balls and quite a few mistakes in this. We highlighted before the game the Kurundrani Len Ikitao sort of rivalry sort of coming into this, and we sort of said, oh, I don't know if Len Ikitao's the same sort of player to run over people than Kurundrani's going to do. It, it was absolutely the opposite looking at this um, night. Kurundrani didn't look like he could get through the line, whereas Ikitao looked dynamic. He looked electric and really sort of any time he got the ball was putting the Brumbies on the front foot in this one. Mm. Live wire. And yeah, just these yeah. footwork and just the kind of intensity he brings into the contact. Like he makes up for perhaps a slightly smaller frame and, and not, not a small man. I'm not trying to suggest that. I think Kurindrani is more of a battering ram sometimes and just saw with some of the, the deft footwork and, and movement he showed, Yuki Tao is, is a different kind of centre. Yeah, he was able to get outside and inside his opposition defender um, regularly, and that just freed his arms up. He could offload and um, you know, or, or just sort of push through and, and take the game. Which I think, yeah, Kuradrani had a had a solid sort of running game, but never really broke out. Never looked like breaking out, and as always, never really looked like offering sort of that late offload to anyone else. Like just really is a, is a take the ball and, and take the gain and go down and re- recycle type type player. Uh, Len Ikitao looked like the sort of guy who might break inside, might break outside, always looking for an offload, got his own pace and leg drive. Like, yeah, so, so I mean, it's good. It's, it reaffirms, I guess, what they saw in him to include him in the Wallaby squad last year. Um, mm. It's a good first hit out. He's definitely caught my eye, so... I hope that progression continues, and and again, um, he, he's got a good combination in there in the centres. They've got a good combination there in the halves. Got Nick White putting Lalesio through a great gap, like the way that developed oh. with the forwards blocking lines, and yeah. then all of a sudden, the the way those two combined, like that's that's what you want to see. That's that's where you, you know you may eventually get to a a Wallabies halves pairing because they just know each other's game if they keep pulling out moves like that. Um, that's that's, a, it's just a really good sign for that inside backs group that they've got a good pairing, halves and great, centers. Great spine as well. We, you know, if you're including Tom Banks at the back there, I think there is so much, so many good prospects in that back line now. And Simone's going from strength to strength. He looked great again. Um, and yeah, he looks to be like Yikitao complements his game. Mm. Um, you and can yeah, see I why just... they were happy to let Kuradrani go, right? Like. They oh, didn't yeah. need to yeah, retain well, he had his time, I guess. Yeah. It's just like they're almost eight to ten years difference in, in age. Like Ikitao's 22. He's he's going to really start developing well in the next three years or so. Um, and like we said, like Wallaby's already a prospect for them. And I think, um, you know, another thing to note is I think he almost had shades of Hunter Paisami in the way he, he runs the ball sometimes and has the fen going, allows the, the little offload and... Um, yeah, great signs, and I think you couldn't have had a better start to the season from mm-hmm. his perspective, given he probably felt some pressure as well, to be fair. I think that's quite difficult coming up against one of the most, 
you know, well-seasoned number 13s in Australian rugby over the last decade, and he, he outplayed him for sure. And their forward pack looks as cohesive as ever with minimal sort of change in there. You've still got Slipper and Alan Alatoa up front with Fainga. Swain and Neville are looking to continue that combination with Nick Frost off the bench. And I really like the look of this back row with Valentini Samu and Jerome Brown. Um, you've got uh, Valentini doing some of the hard yards in the middle. Samu sort of just creeping around on the edge there looking for to be that extra set of hands and Jerome Brown being that sort of workhorse in the middle making a bit of a nuisance of himself for the force as well. Valentini as well, I think he played the full 90, didn't he? He was... I think he, he looked quite strong. I don't think many of them played the 90 on the weekend. Maybe oh, in the wrong, Premier wrong League. I'm stuck in brother. Premier League again. <laughs> oh, who are you? It's too, much, it's too much fantasy Premier League going on in my mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think... Um, I think it's good signs for Rob Valentini. Jerome Brown just looks like an absolute animal. Um, and Pete Sarma, we know how good he can be when he plays at his best. So that's why I think the Brumbies, they may even be stronger across the board this year, um, even though they've had some big-name losses. I think the cohesion is really there. Um, and, yeah, Caden Neville-Arch, I think you called it last year. He looks great. He does, and I, I think they we, we've got a lot of good big ball runners in this Brumbies forward pack. I think maybe now discipline might be part of the issue. Like there's some younger guys and some some hotter heads. Like they play an aggressive brand. They just need to make sure that it doesn't tip too far and they and they give away penalties or, or just sort of make dumb infringements. There's a couple of times in this game which I thought was very uncharacteristic um, type penalties uh, mm. given by the Brumbies like just usually they're far more um, conservative and they're just, they're just playing their game and playing good hard-nosed rugby in the forwards. Um, Although, but yeah, it is... to that point, I think the Brumbies have notoriously been a team that do give away penalties almost strategically. Um, so they do, have, they do have quite good discipline, but often they will just shut you down. If you get some momentum into their half, they'll give away a penalty so that you take the three. Yeah, as a, as a strategy more than anything. So it's like they're conscious of it. Um, whether they still play with those tactics, someone like um, is um who's the Fords coach of the Brumbies? Is it still um Fisher uh, Laurie? Is it Laurie? Laurie's still there, I believe. Yeah, I so. uh, it might be something he cooks up. But um, the, yeah, these I, ones didn't feel like strategic yeah. ones. These are like the Rory Arnold just brain explosion one or two a game and he's just like oh just everything was going so well having such a good game like doing everything right and it's just like a it's like a um a pressure relief for the opposition like you do that and all of a sudden you had everything on them and you now give them a platform to work up the field so that just saying to be cautious of it i really like the running out of valentini um that that back road they they have a lot of uh potential as a combination that there's probably a couple of um, there's probably maybe some room for Pete Samu to go back to more of a um, do a bit more of the pilfering as well. Like I don't know to, to you guys, he just looks slightly less agile out out on the wings to start with. Maybe it's just the you know getting the cobwebs out. But he he used to be look a little bit more dynamic. Now he's maybe not quite so dynamic. So um, someone's going to have to go steal the ball. I think he's probably in a good position to do that. He's a funny one. Like he does really, 
wane in form. Like he'll come in and out of form, and suddenly he'll look like the the quickest guy in the back row on the planet. He's just it does it almost maybe. I get the sense sometimes that it's it's a mindset thing for him. If he's switched on, like if he's in the zone, no one can stop him. But he may his mind maybe goes wandering in games, and he's not quite as switched on. And mm. um, yeah, it'd be interesting to track his um, game this year because. There's been so many years where he's been in Wallaby's contention and it's just, it's, it hasn't gone the right way for him. So hopefully that, it can be a good season for him. Talk to me about Isaac Fines. Reserve scrum half, gets the 23 jersey this weekend, comes on on the wing after maybe it was the trial game. He scored on the wing there. Gets another try on the wing here. Gets around Carney at the back there for the force. Like that and certainly... That... It's not a Nick Nick Fip situation, is it? It's a very intentional move yeah. to put him on the wing. And that was that was a very like that the the, the movement had been um, sort of successful inside him, like the way the way they floated wide and just just outflanked Kahui. Like you saw it in Kahui's face, he missed he missed his, his banks, line. Yeah, and just got on and the outside kind of, of him. It was just yeah. like it was a great drifting run. Yeah, and oh, and obviously a great pass from the inside. I can't remember if it was Noah or was Banks um, or Ira. The to the pass to Banks. Oh, to Banks. Yeah, because yeah, sure. the pass sort of led him wide, and he ran that just sliding line and just beautifully wrapped. And then Fines looked great. He had the finish, he had the pace. We we knew he was a pacey guy. Um, he's he's quite solid too, so he's got a bit of weight to sort of carry him over the line if he's in contact. Um, you know, and the, the Brumbies still have. Does the Brumbies still have Carter? Is yeah, still Carter's around? still there. So, you know, a similar type player, I guess, maybe not quite as big and, and um, bludgeoning because he's, he's a scrum half, but maybe a bit of a utility and who knows, like could could surprise, could see him more on the wing. I don't know if he's going to um, take a starting spot anytime soon, particularly once um, Tom Wright comes back. I think um, Mac Hansen is... Mac Hansen almost has a similar makeup to Tom Wright in that he has more of a well-rounded skill set. He can play any position in the back line. Um, and so he's, he's that utility player on the wing that they, they need. And Tom Wright brings a certain, that certain set of skills being a former fly half. I think with the Isaac Fines conundrum, I think it, it's primarily driven by Ryan Lonigan being such a good prospect at number nine as well and not wanting to leave him out of the team. So you've got really two high quality. So do you think they're trying to keep nines. fines around by giving him some game time so he doesn't leave the club Maybe. if I they lose Nick White? High quality player. I think they don't want to lose either of them. I think Nick White, mm-hmm. obviously, I don't know how long he's planning to be at the Brumbies for. You know, he he's playing as well as ever. So it's a situation where you've got again so much depth at one position, and you're trying to fit too many players into a 23. And Isaac Fines, obviously has the flexibility that he can play on the wing. I mean, you wouldn't see him in the centres or anything or Hmm. at fly half. So I think wing's probably the only other option. But Ryan Lonigan, I think, I can see him as a guy that's a long-term prospect for the Brumbies. Yeah. Again, only being 22. I think Fines is quite young as well. Um, But ideally, maybe they want both of them there for the future. And you're right, Arch, if he's not getting played at all, if he's out of the 23... And you get wandering eyes and you might be looking at other super rugby franchises. Um, and maybe that's again, speaks to why they let Joey Powell go because they've just got so much talent there that they mm. don't need him. Mm, absolutely.
Let's pause Super Rugby AU for a second and let's get into Super Rugby Aotearoa because it's the first round coming up. There has been some trial games over the last sort of two weeks. They've had a couple of funny game of three halves sort of going on um, last weekend with the Crusaders, Blues and Hurricanes, I believe, all playing each other um, in three different halves um, going through. So they've had some interesting stuff, but We'll start with a bit of a preview and go through some of these teams as well. So the first game we have, which is on Friday down at Dunedin, Battle of the South Island, Highlanders versus Crusaders. So let's go through Crusaders. They've had very little sort of turnover here. Very few in terms of losing sort of their major players. They've really only added a couple more. There's the old sort of names of Renault Ranger coming back into the thing. And Josh Mackay coming back up from the Highlanders into that Crusaders outfit. Do you see either of those guys um, showing up in the 23 this weekend? Or there's no way they display sort of the incumbents there? I doubt you're going to see um, them displacing the incumbents. Is But Braden Enor, he would still be out? He's still out from that injury at the end of last yeah. year. Yeah. So good, Hugh, and with some of the other guys in the centres, uh, it's a it's a vague possibility, but I wouldn't think so. Renault Rangers been around for a long time. I'm sure they've got someone um, was an up and comers, maybe a little bit more uh, exciting to to offer, and and potentially more even David Havili. Yeah, I, would, I was going to say Havili might be more of an option. Is sort of a jack of all trades, but could come in at like well, that's twelve. What I'm yeah, Havili's much more likely, I would think, that because he's got that flexibility and they've obviously got coverage at the back. They can put Will Jordan at the back. They've still got gun wings in George Bridge and Sevi Reese, um, Moanga and a couple of different halves to pick from. Like the back line pretty much picks itself. It's just how they fill that gap without Braden and all because he'd be a shoe-in. Wait, is Jordan available or is he injured? Will Jordan. Will Jordan. Mm. He's available. Um, he yeah. could play 13. Oh, really? him as an option. Yep. 13. I don't think over Havili. It's a bit slight. is more of a specialist fullback. And he definitely was... wants to be a fullback. Havili wants to play in... fullback, yeah. but he's played 10 for the Crusaders. He has played 12 yeah. for them as well. I feel like he could be a crotty type if he wanted to be. Mm. Maybe. I mean, it's there's always an interplay between the All Blacks and the, the super teams in New Zealand. Like, they do tend to say, well... Avili, we see him as a fullback, play him at fullback. But um, if um, if Will Jordan is, you know, if they see him in their plans as being a fullback as well, maybe he gets the nod there. It's it's a difficult one to look at with this this Crusaders backline because there are some question marks. We're still not probably quite sold of Guild Hugh as a twelve, but that's how the All Blacks want to play him, so he, he tends to play there and. He formed a good combination with Enor, but like you say, he's suffering with injury. So, yeah, it's a bit of a mishmash, this team, and plenty of names there, but how do, how do you fit them in and how do you kind of come up with the best chemistry for the centres and the back three? Um, no real questions over the, the halves. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they line up. Now, there's always a player in the Crusaders that ends up emerging and becoming all-black sort of favourite. You saw two years ago, Severis did it and became um, an all-black winger. Everyone was excited by Will Jordan last year, as along with a couple of other players like Cullen Grace in the back row as well. 
Uh, are there any names you guys can pick out of this pack so far that you might think that might stand up for, for bigger things this year? Do we think Cullen Grace is actually, like, has he had his moment or is he still on the rise? Like He could definitely he's, still he's, take another I mean, step. He was the one I was going to say before you mentioned him was the one that jumped to mind. Mm. But that whole so back I'll... line, even like Tom's, Tom Sanders, oh, it was it Tom Christie, sorry, um, at seven. I think there's, there's a lot of young and up-and-coming players. It's, mm. it's interesting as well. Once they get selected for the All Blacks, you pay almost more attention to them. Whereas when they're kind of in their first or second year, even in the Crusaders, um, yeah, you still got to take a bit of time to get a handle on them. But it happened with Papa Lee. Like, he kind of got plucked from a Blues team that we weren't that impressed with. Suddenly he's in the All Blacks and you're paying more attention to him. So I think any of those three guys in the in the back row could emerge again this year um, in an All Black setup. What about... The Highlanders, they've had a few players leaving, um, people like Dylan Hunt disappearing for them, um, they've had Bryn Gatlin disappear, go to his dad's team at the Chiefs, um, people like Rob Thompson have gone now from that team, a few new players sort of around. How do you see this team coming up from sort of the bottom of this super rugby table? Do you think they, they look to pose a threat this year? And they've changed coach with Tony Brown back in. That's right. Aaron Major. Which is a big change. Yeah. Tony Brown has had a great history um, mm. with the Highlanders too. So um, I would say they're still in a rebuild phase and I, I don't expect anything um, too big from them this year. Like it's, it's, it's nice that they've brought people in like Solomon Alamalo. Like that's an, a really good quality back uh back three player with with a bit of utility um you know they're still looking to really fill that um 15 spot i don't think they necessarily were kind of locked into that last year they were playing the joshuani mitchell hunt um kind of combination between fly half and fullback but i'm not sure that was a forever thing mitch hunt played probably better than we expected and maybe kept Yuani at the back. And he looked good at the back too, but it just didn't feel like a long-term prospect. So, um, you know, maybe Alamalo's going to get a shot at the back. Maybe Nahem Milner-Scudder will finally be fit, healthy, and, and able to, to play at the back there. It just feels like still developing combinations. Um, and certainly the while the forwards maybe haven't had as much turnover and there's, there's still a, a fairly solid forward pack, it's, it's not a world-beating just go through the Crusaders pack that we just looked at and they've got, you know, down to their fourth lock as sort of featured for All Blacks squads at some point. Um, you'd be lucky to, to spot a second uh, lock in the in the Highlanders as an example who's who's been spoken about as a potential All Black. So uh, really, I, I think this is a team um, that's going to be off the pace for the most part this year, but... They kind of they kind of thrive in that scenario where they're underestimated and underdogs and you know doing a lot without a lot of ball. So um, not to say they won't put some pressure on teams. I don't think they're going to be contesting uh, the Atara top top two top three this year. They'll just be mm. trying not to come last. I think. Yeah, I'd agree, and I think Liam Squire is a big name to look out for again. I think he's looking to make a comeback to the All Blacks now that he's dealt with some 
stuff in his personal life and he has a great opportunity here with, I mean, Frizzell as well in that back row, I think. He's a guy who's spent a fair time, fair amount of time in the All Blacks, but some people aren't quite sold on him yet. Um, so I think he'll be also looking to have a big season. Billy Harmon probably will lock down that number seven position coming down from the Crusaders and Dylan Hunt moving on. Um, and then you've got Himeno, who probably That's Tony Brown. He's brought across, across from Japan and a very experienced player, and maybe he's a, a utility you can use off the bench. I wouldn't be surprised if um, Kazuki Himeno, the Japanese number eight that Tony Brown brought I mean, he across, might start. I reckon he'll start. It's just how do you fit in then Liam Squire and Shannon Frizzell, which I think you're going to want to do. Squire's the off challenge. the bench or he's in the row. That's what's happening. Yeah, in it might row. depend on fitness. In the, I'd probably see Frizzell more as a second row maybe, but I don't know. No, it's it's difficult. Forward. Again, you have quite a, a, not a stacked back row, but you have a few players there that you want to be in the 15. Um, but then the, the type five is, again, probably struggling for depth a little bit. So it's a similar, I mean, it reminds me a bit from an Australian perspective of the Rebels where you've got, a few star players in there that you're going to heavily rely on. Um, and the rest is still, you're in a, a rebuilding slash kind of cohesion, kind of forming um, phase of your franchise. Um, so I think it's going to be difficult for them, particularly against the opposition they have in the New Zealand competition. One other guy I would name would be um, Thomas Amonga Jensen, I think is someone that could emerge as, as someone quite important in that, in their centers there. But again, are you pairing it with Tomkinson? There's not a whole lot of other talent there, I think, in the centres. So a few question marks across the team. Can I highlight two players I think you guys should look out for? I think maybe they might be off the bench to start the year, but um, they're going to get their shots. So the first is uh, the reserve fly half, Fakatava. A lot of people have been talking about this guy as the next replacement for Aaron Smith, both in the Highlanders and potentially Come the up. All Blacks. Yeah. So... Oh, you said fly half. Oh, did I? Sorry, scrum half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, look out for him. The other player is a similar name that Toby will definitely remember, Garden Bashup, but it's uh, Garden Bashup's younger brother, Connor Garden Bashup, the young 21-year-old. Looks a little bit more uh, lighter, a little bit more dynamic than his um, older brother. Uh, more or less a fullback, but saw him in one of the trial games. Looks like he's got genuine sort of pace. He's still a little bit slight in his build, but I think he will, uh, if he gets some open space, will definitely turn some heads as well. Mm. Like We always cheer for the Highlanders, I think. We want to see them do well. The Crusaders are a team, though, that year to year they're just the benchmark aren't they and I, I don't see it to be too different this year um so quite a brutal first game for the highlanders fair enough yeah it's not an easy one to start off with let's go to the other game on saturday and that's the hurricanes and the blues and look these were the two teams that were fighting it out for second and third place um last year and look the hurricanes are, are continuing i think to to bleed a few players, really. Um, they haven't had a huge amount of turnover in their forward pack, but 
the loss of TJ Perinara now to um, Japan really, I think, hurts them. This is the year after Bowden, obviously, is gone from them. So now, really, with brand new sort of halves combinations, it's going to be really difficult for this link between what is a solid forward pack without a huge amount of sort of star power and some really engaging weapons out in the back line for them, um, whether they can get these things to connect and coalesce. I've just realised that Thomas Simong and Jensen has a brother called Peter Simong and Jensen. And I think they're twins. And I thought there was one of them and there's two of them. And Peter <laughs> and Peter Umunga Jensen is the one that's played for the All Blacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm so I'm completely wrong with that Highlanders guy. Are Thomas Umunga Jensen brothers? has played and yeah, he's, he's not bad. Twins, he's not bad. I think that's, that's so fair weird. comments, man. I just didn't know em- there were two. <laughs> just embrace it. Just embrace that. Yeah, strange. You can dis- disregard that comment for the Highlanders. I think they're pretty screwed then in the centres. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, mate, the Hurricanes are favourite for this game, which I was like, I was pretty surprised by. I think, I think they they're almost a shade of the former team. Like they're not quite the team they were a couple of years ago, um, but still, still some interesting players. I think they're a team that. Like, you almost don't know what you're going to get. They can light you up one game and then disappear the next. So I think that inconsistency might still be a problem for them, given some of the turnover they're having. So is there any chance that we see Geordie at 10? Is Simon Hickey decent? Because I'm not really... I don't really have any of the background on him. He's come across from Edinburgh. Mm. Um, they, they they ran Jackson Garden Bashup last year, and I just feel like oh, he man. didn't really. I mean, it's it's so hard to compare to when they used to have Barrett and TJ. Like, it's just such a contrast. But I don't feel like he was. Um, he sh- he proved himself to be a lock for this team longer term. I think he's probably still you know playing for his spot, um, trying to trying to impress. And and I just I just wonder if that'll happen. Like. Again, who who do they then put at fullback? It might be yeah. you know, like this Reuben Love guy, or but most of the other guys have got a more specialist wingers, specialist centers. Mm. There's not I think a given, lot of utility there, so given they the may not have the choice. There, that back three, it looks like it has to be Geordie at the back. If Chase mm. TT was still around, I think you'd happily throw him in at fullback. Um, Geordie just getting his hands on the ball, I think, is important. They've always talked about him as being a centre as well, but I think we've seen now his best position is fullback. So do you disrupt that for the sake of bolstering up um, fly half? But maybe maybe Simon Hickey will take the reins off Garden Bashup. Mm. I don't know, but I mean, losing he... TJ and not having... I mean, Jamie Booth is decent, but TJ losing the play that you have off him at nine... I think, again, puts more pressure on someone like Jackson Garden Basher, but tend to yeah. be playing at a higher level. It might even be that they, they when they're playing sort of from centre field rucks, they actually split and they've got um, Garden Basher one side, Geordie the other side, and yeah, take a cool. bit of pressure off um, whoever the designated 10 is by kind of offering a couple of options. And that's something which you can do given certain field position, given sort of numbers, um and, and momentum, you might just be able to have 
Geordie sort of range up from the back, make the call and, and go, you know, the relative blind side and, and play like a 10 for that phase or two and then drop back. Um, I guess if they do that, you just want to be very careful that, you know, a team with a with a hard defense or a, or a few guys in for the steal doesn't suddenly turn you around and find there's no one home. So I suspect in the interim, you will see a bit of that. I think we already, I think we've already seen that. I think he's already done a lot of that. We saw him coming in at 10 a bit, but yeah. I think that's a tactic that they'll need to maintain. So that probably gives them the best of both. And, and I guess if someone emerges at 10 or someone emerges at another 15, maybe that answers the question for them. I think the bonus is that their forward pack is so so much intact, like with the likes. They've still got mm. you've got All Blacks and Tyrell Lomax and Dane Coles in the front row. Look, you've got Scott Scrafton and sort of um oh, Blackwell on the second row is a little bit light on, but the back row with sort of Artie Sevilla, Duplessis, mm. Karifi, Vea Fafida. It's like yeah. that's it's pretty solid. So that's I think where they're gonna have to concentrate. But yeah, I'm feeling like the Hurricanes might be in trouble a little bit this year. I feel like they could slip off a bit of a ledge sort of into that second tier of um, New Zealand teams. It's it's difficult if you don't have the playmakers there that can unlock your back line. I think the centres are really strong with Arso, Lamapi, Billy Proctor, Munga Jensen, the, the right one this time. Um, I think there's, there's so much potential through the midfield and in the back row, like you just... Um, talked about but it's those key positions you know at nine at ten if they're not quite firing then you lose direction yeah and i think again like we've talked about with a few teams their tight five probably isn't of the highest quality it's got some decent players in there well um one thing i'm wary of the hurricanes just seem to surprise me year to year i i always think they're going to take a step backwards and they they come out firing and, and upset some teams. So I'm kind of wary of that position as well. But you line them up against this Blues team and this team that has acquired Nepo Lalala from the Chiefs in the front row and now have like four all-black props as their um, props for the for the week. They have a bit of a lack with James Parsons retiring in the hooker, but Kurt Eklund stood up. You've got Patrick Tuapilotu and Jared Crowley to a yachty there. You've got Dylan Hunt now in the back row to add on to your Akira Yuwani, Hoskins, Satutu, Dalton, Papali'i, Blake Gibson team. Um, that was sort of the people like Finlay Christie, Otero Black took a step forward next year. Like, there's not really many positions that I would take the Hurricanes players over the Blues mm. players. No, I agree with you. I agree. And it's it's funny then that the, the line in this game is set at zero so i mean they're completely they're even odds almost to win this game which surprising i think given the players we're looking at within these mm-hmm. rosters i would think the blues are going to go i mean hopefully from strength to strength after a, a really good season last year um but maybe there's something that the bookies are seeing that we're not maybe there's still some lack of cohesion in this blues lineup um, I don't really see it. I think the Blues are gonna are gonna continue to build and continue to be. I think the challenger, the true challenger to the the Crusaders this year. I think the Hurricanes are destined to be probably flailing a little bit like the Highlanders. So just overall, if we're talking about Super Rugby Aotearoa, 
where are you drawing the line? Like, I know we haven't talked about the Chiefs in depth. We'll do that a bit more next week. But are you putting the Blues and Crusaders up on another level between those other ones? Are you dropping the Hurricanes down? Are you saying the Chiefs could be up there? Because what we saw two years ago, even though they had a down year last year. I think the Crusaders are at their own tier, almost. Their own I tier. don't think you can put the Blues up there. Um, Chiefs at TBD, I, I don't know what to, to make of them. Um, I think they could easily come out and, and turn some heads and, and really flip this competition on its head. Um, but yeah, I do see the, the Highlanders at the bottom. Um, if I was going to rank them right now, I'd probably say Crusaders, Blues, Chiefs, Hurricanes, Highlanders. Um, that would be my picks. Interesting. Leo? Yeah, I, it depends how much resolution you have on, on these tiers because I think the gap from the Blues to the Crusaders is smaller than the gap below the Blues to the next team. So if you want to find a way to put teams in, in tiers and not just rank them, I think I do put the Blues up around the Crusaders. I think they've got maybe maybe that's a little bit more banking on some, some potential, but I certainly think... It's there, and I think it's a good chance that we mm. that we see them realise what they have and build on the previous season. It's very, this is a very similar situation to the Reds and the Brumbies. Like you got a team who's been trying to rebuild and hasn't hadn't found their way for a while, and then all of a sudden everything starts clicking. They get the right guys in the right position, the right culture starts to build, and each year is just a progression and improvement. And I think the Blues are up there now with the Crusaders in my mind, and there's a tier. In those group, into those two to then look down to, yeah, like the Hurricanes are a bit unstable and we, you know, really need to find a way to unlock the backs who've been strong before, but, you know, can't seem to sort of run, run them at their best without a good pivot. Uh, the Chiefs are probably the big dark horse this year because they could just have another shocking year like they did last year, but I think we'd we'd all agree that it was a pretty uncharacteristic set of losses for them, but that's not what we predicted. And I'd say that's the the blip that they then rebound from. Um, they've still got some solid players at every position. Mm. Um, and, and I think, you know, do we, do we think Warren Gatlin's going to, um, Warren Gatlin's well, legacy he's gonna is going to drag them down this year. He's like, going to be gone like, for most of the year with the, uh, the Lions. Yeah, that's right. So maybe maybe it helps really them get away from there. Oh, maybe if he was some oppressive force hanging over them, but I, w- I would think that they've gone and reviewed and looked at what they mm. can do to improve. Um, they've got some exciting players, like guys like Chase Tiatia. Like again, it's it's it is a dark horse type um, dichotomy. Like, is it going to be the Chase Tiatia who drops the ball and can't get things right, or is it the one that lights it up? Um, like. I think I think the Chiefs are a big unknown, and they could fall anywhere from fifth again to to third. Um, and I guess I see them maybe with the the Hurricanes are probably third, and then the, maybe the Hurricanes, Chiefs, Highlanders. But those three could really flip in any direction. Mm. I think there's two tiers, much like the Australian Rugby Conference. Mm. Fair enough. Well, looking at this weekend. Crusaders Highlanders. I assume everyone's going to take the Crusaders even down there um, at Otago. 
any yeah, any exactly. what margins are you guys thinking? Five. I don't think it'll. Be, I think it'll be a tight one. Yeah. Crusaders uh, slow starters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it'll probably be more than that. I think if they if they do start with a you know a Bridge Jordan Severis back line uh, sorry back three and um I th- I think we'll see Havili in the centres. I think they've got plenty of plenty of talent there. I think they'll be putting points on wherever they can. I think it's more like a maybe a fifteen point margin. Fair enough. What about Blues Hurricanes in Wellington? Again, the the stronger team playing away from home. Um, I I think the Blues have a lot of momentum even from last year. I think they haven't they haven't had to change too much. They've got a good uh, backline. They've got a solid group of forwards, a lot of whom have been recognised through the All Blacks system last year. Still big leadership from Tuapalotu and Satutu. Um, I think it's a it's a Blues win, and I think it's probably in the order of maybe eight to ten. Hmm. Toby? Yeah. Yeah, I'd go Blues by 12. Really? Um, that yep. much? Okay. I think, the, I think the bookies have got this wrong, unless they... Maybe they're operating with more information than we are in terms of lineups and things, but... Mm. Um, yeah, I just think the, the Blues are a far classier outfit than the, than the Hurricanes. Um, and I think, yeah, they're just going to build upon this success they had last year. Fair enough. I think the Blues do take it, but I think, yeah, I think, again, it's a, a very close one um, down there, playing down in uh, in Wellington. It's always difficult to come up against the, the Hurricanes and the Cake Tin. Let's jump across to round two of Super Rugby AU. And before we get into it, I'll just reiterate to you guys and everyone listening that the tipping has started. Yes, you've missed the first two games, but on Super Brew, that's super, S-U-P-E-R, brew, B-R-U, dot com. Um, you can join us in the Running Rugby pod pool uh, with links on that on our Facebook and Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. So get involved before these next rounds and you can keep up with us. So, two games, Friday and Saturday. First off, the Reds still at home with this Rebels team. First game for them in 2021. Is this going to be a repeat of last Friday night? I think there is a risk that, that that's they're going to be a similar narrative there. Um, I think, like we talked about last year, I think teams sometimes do other teams a favour in what they present the, the prior week, and I think the Rebels will come in with a, with a bit of a different mindset, having seen the demolition that the Reds brought to the Waratahs, and I think... They might really focus in on their defence and not take too many risks in this game, given what the Reds showed out there in terms of their attacking capabilities. Um, but I think, again, it'll be a strong win by the by the Reds. I'm thinking of the order of 15 to 20 points, um, but not quite the demolition that was on show in week one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The... Um... The Reds will keep it going at home. Maybe won't get blown out. Uh, maybe won't be able to blow out the Rebels to the same effect. But having said that, like the Rebels forward pack so patchy. There's going to be a couple of dumb penalties out of Richard Hardwick at some point. Um, <laughs> and, and it was back-to-back penalties that was doing it for the Reds and for the Brumbies on the weekend. Uh, I don't think it's likely to change. It's it's probably just you know the, the senior guys in that side trying to 
trying to keep the the rebels outfit together and and just hold the line mm. um i think there's i've got more confidence in the backs doing that so maybe they they do contain the reds backs a bit more but if the reds forwards want to roll like you know you've lost guys like matt phillip like massive massive figures for the rebels last year you don't have that anymore um you know there's there's some guys who are up and comers do they step up and fill those shoes i think that's a big ask um, I'm expecting the the forwards to roll hard in this, and yeah, maybe it's a slightly closer fought game, but I think we'll still get the feeling that the Reds were dominant in 80 minutes. Yeah, you have to agree. Just based on how strong the Reds looked last week, you're going to need some big games from the Rebels, sort of bigger names, and even the guys like the young guys like Trevor Hosea and Pomo Famasilli, sort of in the, in it's the asking a lot. five. Like it is asking mm. a lot for these guys that are pretty much in their second season to take on big leadership roles almost within this team and really stand up and get people moving forward. So I think it's, I think it's a you're gonna big see, ask. You're going to see Brad Thorne's foot placed firmly on Dave Vessels' throat and he's just going to slowly <laughs> suffocate him. Or, or maybe rapidly, depending on how the Reds are Any feeling mercy? in that particular so game. So no mercy? No mercy coming it, through I from think that? There's, Reds are all about brutality and this year they have the confidence and they're poised to, to mm. pull a lot of these... These big um, results out, I think they're they're a different team. They've really changed a lot, I think, over the last year or two, um, and they just yeah, they have all the quality there, and I think they hold all the cards in this one. It's a it's a it's a funny um, analogy to use Thorn and Wessels because you can just imagine like Thorn's just out there, no matter you know year on Not year aging, speaking. but 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 just you know continues to lift, continues to work, continues to grind. And Wessels has maybe had it all a bit, you know, a bit too warm, cozy, and soft down there with a bit too much money and a bit too much, um, you know, opportunity to he's bring bit, in some big players. And this year he's, he's a, a little bit, bit undermanned. Yeah, I, I mean, I would really like to see the 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 Rebels force mm. their way back in and and be contenders. But I just feel like they had their time and they're really on the slide now, and it's going to take something really massive to to halt that. Yeah, um, they did surprise last year at times, but it it did feel very out of the blue. So, I, I yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do mm. too much in this game that the Reds won't be able to handle. Yeah, I think it's. I'd love to be surprised by the Rebels, but I can't say that I'd see where it's going to come from at this stage. Those shorts are gathering dust, Arch. <laughs> They're still back there in Australia. I've been trying to go back and get them. And you uh, too. Spot to leave no one will let me. With, no you, one with will your let second me. teams. Actually, got At least pick the Brumbies if you're going to have a second team. Come on. Look, I showed you boys last weekend. I was wearing my Tars jersey versus the Reds. And then when the Brumbies started, I pulled on my Brumbies Pacifica jersey. Because, God, I love that jersey. Because why not have every team's jersey? I don't have a Reds <laughs> jersey or a Force jersey. And I just oh, have, I have rebel shorts. Yeah, I was looking up a Force jersey from 07. They got some good deals over here. Was that um, the black, black and yellow the one? Might have to snap it up for you, Arch. <laughs> well, the Force have the week right. off. The Brumbies get to come back home and play. Uh, if we were talking about the 2021 Tars being a bit underpowered this year, well, they've just had a couple more sort of horsepower taken out of the engine here with Jake Gordon out with an ankle injury, Joey Walton out with an ankle injury, Isaiah Parisi out with suspension. They're hoping to get Tepo Moroa back 
from a knee niggle that kept him out of being in contention for the 23 last week. Swinton should be back um, to give them a little bit more power in that back row, but God, it's, it's, it's a hard prospect to head to Canberra with, um, with the Tars this weekend and be expecting sort of much in the way of resistance from what, from a Dan McKellar um, kick to the throat. Is that what's happening this week? It's it's a it's pure horsepower at the Brumbies, isn't it? <laughs> You're saying the Waratahs have lost some horsepower from their engine. The Brumbies are nothing but horsepower. Flower power doesn't sound like, quite as good. No, well, no. that centre pairing, we were worried about it before, and I think having seen Parise, I was yeah, I was impressed by Parise and what he was doing there at 13, losing Joey Walton. I mean, we're down to. We're down to probably having Alex Newsom come in at 13 and playing Maroa at 12. Mm. I think that's what they'll do. Um, James Ram, I think, showed glimpses of what he was offering last year, but still a little bit off the pace. I think he hasn't played a lot of top-level rugby for quite a while because he didn't get an opportunity really with the Wallabies. So I think there's a few guys still finding their feet again for this season. Um, But, yeah, I'm worried about the Waratahs. I think I'm... Worried about the mindset they have. I'm worried about, I think, Rob Penny. His coaching position um, could be in jeopardy midway through the season if um, results keep going the way they did in week mm. one. I, I think he's got a bit of um, leeway here coming in with what he's talking about is a rebuilding a team here. I don't think the expectation is going to be super high. Um, versing the Reds, mm. versing the Brumbies. I think it's more going to be defined on what he does versus the Rebels and the Force uh, this year. Yeah, fair point. I'd fair l- point. But you can't be having record losses, I guess, is what I'm no, saying. And no, They're a lot no. weaker this, this week than they were last week. Yeah. Uh, one person I'd like to see potentially, I don't think that he'd be confident, confident enough to throw Edmed into 12, um, but I liked what I saw from the Eastwood fly half. Be. Um, I thought, and I and I think that um, it's a lot to ask for um, young Will Harrison to be leading sort of this backline um, because he's lost Jake Gordon as sort of uh, his partner in the halves there, and then to put someone like Tepo Maroa, who while is a good ball runner, is not going to add anything in the playmaking stakes. I think you almost need to. Do similar to what Leah was saying with the Hurricanes. You need to put a second playmaker in there and get them to split down um, the field and take and put a bit of second um, second thoughts in some of the Brumbies' defence mind. But it's 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 a tough ask going down to Canberra. Maybe the key to this is someone who's been very quiet and you know potentially could provide that second playmaker is a Jack Maddox. Like, where's he been? Is he going to find some form early in the season? Is he going to step up and, and help this team that's now so underpowered in the backs? Like, again, the the better players who want to find their way back into a Wallabies side, they need to they need to step up. They need to carry some of that extra load. They need to stand up and back Will Harrison and, and maybe spread the attention of the Brumbies um, as best they can. I think he's one of the few guys they've now got um, who on his day can do that. And maybe maybe they'll structure it that way. Maybe they won't. Maybe he'll just have to inject himself at times or just play a bit closer in and, and give um, Harrison that, that sort of second second line ball out the back that he can just move move quickly and easily and 
um, you know, just get a few phases under his belt really early on. Um, but even even that, like, you just know the Brumbies as a unit are going to break down this attack, uh, defend hard. The centers look sharp. The halves look sharp. Um, the halves know each other well. You've got Lalesio and Harrison know each other's game pretty well. Um, it's it's going to be a very, very big ask for the Waratahs to keep it close. I think... I think the back line, you know, regardless of the fact I think they should experiment, I think Ed Med is, is a decent option there at 12. He just shows, he showed already that he, he has a fair bit of confidence in what he's doing. Um, and I, I think Harrison actually needs legit support in playmaking there. And I think Maddox could offer that, but his best position is 15. And he does inject himself sometimes, but he's just not, he's not quite to the standard that I think we need um, running that back line. Yes, yeah, so I wasn't so much suggesting that he'd be playing in the centres as just finding his way in. Yeah, yeah, no. From fifteen, yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah, because he's which not, a, not a centre. He does. I think he's a third option. How I think they'll line up? They'll have Jack Grant. They'll have Will Harrison there. I think they'll have Moreau at twelve. I think Newsom at thirteen. Mm-hmm. I think Nwanga Nitawase comes in from the bench to cover Newsom's wing. Um, James Ram. I think he's a lock for the other wing position, and then Maddox at fullback. So. Not the worst-looking backline in the world, but it's it's a far cry, I think, from where we want to be going forward. Mm. Um, and, I mean, the one thing that I can say about our forwards is that I think Swinton will come back in. I think Harris will drop to the bench. I think you'll see um, Dempsey hopefully still there at number eight. And Tizano should hold his spot at seven. And I think you have the same tight five apart from potentially Dave... Parecki coming in and starting at hooker. That could be the only chance yeah, that I foresee. that was another name that sort of came off the bench and looked like he was well and truly up to the task of Super Rugby as well. He's a bit bigger than Horton, um, mm-hmm. maybe has a bit more yeah. weight to try and go against this Brumbies pack. Big Brumbies pack to contend with and mm. a settled Brumbies pack, a settled Brumbies backline, I think, now... Um, I mean, their centre combination, I think, are just going to destroy ours is the biggest issue. Like, mm. those guys are just such a step above where the Waratahs are. So, interesting to see if we can actually defend. I think that's that's the biggest proposition the Waratahs have to contend with. They have to defend their asses off in this game. Margin? I in think Canberra. 20 points. 20 points. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably pretty... Pretty similar to that. Maybe I'll, I'll slip to sixteen, but it's it's going to be it's going to be one sided. I feel and yeah. exactly how we already said, like the pressure um, is going to be high. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be another harsh week for the Waratahs, and they'll be limping their way through to their bye with one mm. win at best. I agree. I was thinking twenty to twenty five points, um, which is like you said, it's it's not a good look for the Tars starting off this season, but. It's it's verse number one and two in this um, in this comp, and it looks bad. But if they can if they can come out and have solid showings versus the rebels and force, like I said, that can really sort of change the attitude because they're going to have those two games next, and then to finish off the season because it's very doubtful they're going to be around for the finals. 
The other thing that we'll cover as well before we leave you guys to it is uh, the Six Nations and round three is kicking off this weekend and the big news was with the French team with the first of all the coach uh, being tested positive for COVID-19 and then five players in the French squad have all tested positive so it's rage. The biggest name is by far is Antoine Dupont, the scrum half and probably one of the best players in the world at the moment in rugby union. Um, he's been ruled out for this game versus Scotland for them, and they've lost some props and wingers as well, so I had to pull in a few different names. But they're playing Scotland in Paris, Wales hosting England in Cardiff, and Italy hosting Ireland down at Rome. Guys, I guess the probably the biggest sort of question here is, one, can Wales... Um, put some more misery on England in Cardiff and back up that performance uh, they've had. Will they get another red card in their favour this week? And two, can France sort of cope with the loss of a couple of these key men um, to keep this Six Nations sort of uh, hope alive? Mm. Makes it definitely interesting because we've seen that Scotland is much improved and having beat England in, in week one and then week two going down to Wales by only one point. Um, obviously in circumstances that they, they wouldn't have enjoyed. But, you know, cards play a, a big, um, you know, they're a big factor in a lot of these games and we're seeing it still in Super Rugby as well. Um, but I think France, they should be good enough, you'd think, to, to hold on here and, and get the win over in Paris. I think obviously being at home helps. Um, but I do see that Wales having... There's been some mentions as well as like, oh, the Grand Slam's still alive, you know, that that kind of talk from Wales, um, whether that's coming from Wayne Pivak or not. I think England will be very much determined to put them in their place this weekend, um, and I think they'll do so. I think England will bounce back with a, with a strong win against Wales, which it's always difficult to do in Cardiff, but England do have the firepower to, I think, break apart Wales's defence and... I see England getting this game so that they're back in the hunt for the, the Six Nations title, particularly if France then go ahead and, and drop the game against Scotland. I I think Wales can win, perhaps. You know, it's it's going to be difficult. Um, but, you know, I, admittedly, the only investment I have in Six Nations is seeing <laughs> England lose. So yeah. I guess I guess I'll um I'll take Wales by three, and uh and I'll assume Ireland put that by ten on uh on Italy, and yeah I mean I just want, I want to see France keep rolling. It's it's a weird situation to be in, but I've I've um, made my peace with it. I, I want to see France um go and go on a roll and become like a really dominant Northern Hemisphere side with a team that at the play as they do. Like that's an exciting prospect. I want that type of opposition to play against our teams down here in the South. Absolutely. Yeah, that's all the more reason that we want that given France a touring. Um, I think that's that's huge. If they come in as Six Nations champions, then it's going to sell a lot more tickets in Australia going forward. And I guess if they do have a lot of success, it's less likely that they ring the changes and, and lose the momentum. Um not just from success, but from the same playing group. So, um, if you if you want to see more of more of that style of rugby, like you want the same group to stay together, yeah, you don't absolutely. want the coach questioning whether he's 
doing the right thing and whether players are developing mm. uh, the right combinations. I, I want that team to be strong because I want to see them keep playing together and, and be a strong opposition for us to compete against and make it a real spectacle. Absolutely. That probably does it from us for another week here, boys. Um, make sure you are joining us on that tipping comp on Superbrew. We'll, we'll pop up another couple of stories on Instagram to remind you so you can join us either with Super Rugby AU, Super Rugby Aotearoa, or both. Um, obviously, you'll be a week behind, but I don't think anyone scored many more than two points on the weekend anyway, so can easily get inside that with some margin points coming up and some of those bonus points as well. Make sure you have hit that subscribe button on wherever you listen to your podcasts and chuck us a rating if you feel like doing it. Or just reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram if you have your next up-and-coming player that we've missed from some of these New Zealand teams. We want to know who's who's looking the best. Who do we need to keep our eye on as well? Make sure you've signed up to Stan Sport because that has all the Super Rugby you need for this weekend, plus the top league. Tune into a few of those matches. They're quite fun to get to watch. There's a lot of open running rugby with some of your favourite players there as well, so make sure you get on that. From Archie, Leo, Toby... That's another week done, boys. Let's keep on running. Run.